You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. Welcome back to another episode of Green Industry Perspectives presented by Single Ops. I'm Jay Wirth. I'm the content marketing manager here, and I have with me today, Eric Schultz. How are you doing today, Eric? Hey, Jay. I am doing well. Thank you very much for allowing me to participate in this with you. Oh, absolutely. It's our pleasure to have you. Eric has a ton of background in the industry, and I'll let him get into that in a moment, but uh, Eric, we, we like to open each show providing a little bit of immediate value for our audience. So if you could, just from based on your experience, your extensive experience in the industry, what are three kind of two or three common threads or, or common uh, commonalities that you see among successful green industry businesses? What what are they doing right? Yeah, no, great question. Great way to to create that value. I would say number one, and I would say is the most important one is clarity. And, and clarity is pretty broad, but if you drill down on it, uh, a business and really the leader, the owner needs to know who they are and who they want to be in the market. They need to understand who they are as a leader within their business, clarity for their teams to understand what's expected of them, clarity for the people that are in the roles and clarity of those roles, and even clarity with clients. I mean, it sounds so basic, but you know, how often do people have contracts, but you know, there's agreements outside of those contracts, which leads to muddy water. So clarity on what's expected with clients and how to follow through. And even clarity then on on growth and where they want the business to go and how they're going to grow it. So clarity is the number one mm. area for sure. I'd say number two. You know, I'd, I'd like to say it's number two, but I don't know how you do number one without number two, which is uh, consistent leadership engagement and management systems. You know, we all have bad days. Sometimes we have bad weeks, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but the reality is, as an owner, as a leader. There needs to be a consistency in how how we lead and how you lead so that you can lead well and that your your employees have clear direction back to that clarity as to what they need to be able to accomplish and how they need to be able to do it. And, and that comes day by day and being consistent with how you lead. Um, and then the management systems. You know, I, I I cringe and I think a lot of us have been there before when everybody mm-hmm. falls for the flavor of the month, whether mm-hmm. it's this book or that book. And there's a lot of great stuff out there and there's a lot of great new stuff that comes out, but if, if how you operate the business as an owner and as a leader changes every month or changes every quarter, you can't expect anything but chaos from the, from the employees. So consistency in those management systems with intentional changes as needed. Uh, and the third, so clarity, consistent leadership management systems. And the third would be just to focus on two-way relationships. Sometimes, uh, especially, you know, in the, in the moment of, you know, what could be, uh, you know, difficult times or even great times in high growth, uh, an owner and a leader can forget that uh, the relationship with the employee is really a conversation. It's an interaction where uh, they should be helping those employees grow as much as those employees are helping them grow. Uh, same way to our relationships as it relates to the clients and uh, making sure that those relationships are built on trust and really hearing what it is those clients or potential clients want and need from the business and then supporting that as well. But two relationships being key. That's a ton of value to try and unpack right at the beginning of the show. So we're this is clearly going to be a lot of fun this episode. Let's back up real quick. Give folks listening a little bit about your background, 
how you got into the industry, some of the businesses you've worked in, uh, you don't have to name them, but you know, an idea of, of the services they offered, size of the business, either in terms of employees or revenue or whatever metric you want to use. And um, just, you know, give them a sense of, you know, your, your familiarity with the green industry specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try to kind of hit the highlights. So I, I think just starters uh, originally from the, the Tampa, Florida area and ended up in the industry somewhat accidentally. And by somewhat accidentally, I mean, purely accidentally, had never considered uh, entering the industry, but, and was going to school for something completely different, realized I had a hard time sitting still in college, uh, which meant I was an absolutely horrible student and ended up on a truck, on an edger with a backpack blower and mm. hedge trimmers and just starting from the ground up within the industry. And, and what I realized quickly when I, when I had that opportunity, and at the time it started just as a job, is I, I really enjoyed it. I loved, you know, starting in the landscape maintenance side of things, being able to see the finished product, know that the work that I was producing started looking one way and then looked another way, but then realizing beyond all that, what it meant to actually keep a community of people satisfied based off of the the very thing that me and my team were producing for them. So I really enjoyed that. But I would say that the thing that really attached me to the industry more than anything was the group of team members that I got to work with. It was such a diverse group. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love being able to interact with all sorts of different people. And that you know, that allowed me to continue to grow with that company. And I like to tell people it was um, right place, right time. So when the company grew from 17-ish employees to 65 employees within about a two and a half to three year period of time, I was either confident or naive or ignorant somewhere in there enough to try to present myself as the <laughs> one that should be the operations manager for this business and had the opportunity to step into that and be part of that growth and we grew, grew very quickly, had the opportunity to touch on the fertilization pest control aspect of the business, as well as some of the enhancements uh, and slight, slight involvement in the tree care, but really a heavier background in the landscape maintenance. I'd say what really came out of that experience for me was understanding the value of putting the right management systems in place, because I frankly had to learn by beating my head up against the wall. I think most business owners and managers mm -hmm. in the industry that are growing quickly, like that's unfortunately that's how we learn. And I uh, did that painstakingly, um, left that business and uh, thought I was going to end up in a completely different industry, but the industry drew me back. It drew me back. Unfortunately, what I didn't know at the time is we were realizing we were in what we now know as a great recession. <laughs> so um, was starting a, a high-end residential maintenance business at that point from zero and uh, started it at probably one of the more challenging times and you know our, our times and you know, grew that to a point and had the opportunity to sell it uh, and sold that. Took a break, took a breather. And you know, as time went on, had the opportunity to be part of a turnaround of a small business. Uh, Frank, it was a business that was was getting ready to close its doors. What really drew me to it goes back to the employees. So this is, this is a period of time you're kind of coming out of the recession. So jobs aren't quite as easy to come by. So it's not as easy as, hey, this business closes its doors and those employees land someplace else. Business closes its doors. You know, those employees are going to struggle. Mm -hmm. So took the risk myself as a consultant at that point, but a mix between consulting and operating to attempt to turn the business around. And the story sounds a lot smoother than it really was, but we, we grew it <laughs> and grew it very quickly. 
It was a lot of lot of learning and pain in the process, but I took it from you know again under under twenty employees, and as we grew over several years period of time, you know revenues grew to match you know the employee count and peaked at about seventy five employees along the way. So that business primarily landscape maintenance, but also enhancements, um, some tree care as well, focused on commercial retail properties, offices, uh, as well as some light industrial mixed use. Uh, Previous background prior to that had been homeowners associations and condo associations as well. And just through the trail of events, uh, again, it's not always as smooth as it sounds, but had the opportunity to sell that business as well and, and be part of the sale through that process. Since then, have really been able to continue to focus on my passion, you know, beyond just working, you know, and rolling up my sleeves within the industry, but it's helping other, uh, other owners, other leaders, uh, and other, other team members be able to develop their own skill sets as leaders, as managers, to be able to work on their own businesses uh, supported businesses at this point, up to 250 employees, uh, anywhere from say 35 to $45 million as well as still, you know, conversations with companies that are under half a million dollars, anywhere from landscape maintenance to tree care, fertilization, pest control. So a little bit about my background, hopefully, hopefully that gives some indication of the experiences I've had to everybody. I think there's so much that's relatable in that. In fact, it's very similar. My own path into the industry started in between semesters of college, <laughs> yep. doing, doing maintenance, doing mowing, you know, absolutely. I was rocking an edger and the rig we had, I had to literally pick the the push mowers. I had to pick them up over my head and back <laughs> down off the ground, like get it on, on and off the trailer. And yeah, I know we're all familiar with that. So, oh, yeah. you know, there's so much relatable there and you must've figured school out. You've got a certificate from Harvard on your, on your resume. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Clearly, so here's figured that part out. Yeah. So here's a roundabout for me. So Harvard Extension has a really great program and it allows you to go after graduate level courses and certificates. So take graduate level courses, even if, if you have a similar story where you, you stepped aside from the undergrad and you're at a point maybe where for me, it was, I want to learn for the sake of learning now. Like now I know that the more that I know, the better I can support other people and I know how to directly apply it. And so of course, Harvard has a program for people like me who wanted to kind of skip ahead of the line a little bit now at this point in their <laughs> career and go after that graduate level certificate, graduate level program without necessarily checking the box on the undergrad. Good for you, man. Good for you. So th- again, there's a lot to unpack here. Let's start the very first thing you mentioned right at the top of the show. One of the most important things is clarity. Yeah. We talk about clarity around a lot of different things. Why is clarity so important for a healthy business and kind of what's What's the best way to facilitate clarity in all of those different facets that you mentioned? Yeah, no, great follow-up question there. I'll start with as leaders, whether whether it's an owner as a leader or as a leader leading a team within a business, I firmly believe that the role of a leader is to create that clarity for the people that we lead, for the people that you lead. We, we as leaders... Mm-hmm have to be able to operate with an amount of ambiguity. And depending on the role and the business, I mean, that ambiguity is going to look different, but we have to translate that ambiguity into something that people want to and can follow. And so, you know, that's kind of the most basic piece for me in terms of clarity. But then when you expand on that, how should we expect a team, whether it be a leadership team or our key team members to want to follow us and want to help us grow the business, you know, for their benefit and for us, if they don't even have the clarity as to what we're growing, you know, at some point in time, people want to know where they're going. And mm-hmm. so creating that clarity, I think really creates a healthy relationship for people to be able to say, 
yeah, I want to be part of this or, you know, come to grips with the fact of, no, I don't, this isn't what I want to sign up with and, and be able to have those open dialogues. And I think that's really what clarity allows to happen when you get into the relational side of it is having open dialogue, having, having the real conversations. Um, and sometimes clarity brings real conversations that we don't necessarily want to have, but because we've created that clarity, we're having the right conversations instead of, you know, burying it and it surfaces in, in other ways. No, I love that. Now, what do you think for someone's listening here that says, man, I really want to get everybody on, let's just say, let's keep it, you know, cause you mentioned lots of different areas. Let's just say they want to get everybody internally inside yeah. the business rowing yep. in the same direction. How do they create that clarity? Are there tools that they can use to kind of create clarity for their team? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. You know, there are a, a lot of, I would say tools that are out there that you can, you can buy off the shelf, if you will. One of the things that uh, it's pretty popular at this point in time are tools like uh, Traction or EOS uh, is a pretty popular one right now. Some people have read E-Myth is kind of another flavor of that. Mastering Rockefeller Habits is another flavor of that. And these are, these are operating systems, if you will, management systems that mm -hmm. you can run your business. So there's a ways that help owners or leaders potentially look at doing that on their own or hiring people to do that with them or for them. Uh, I think the real tool though, it's conversations and it's having open and honest conversations. And even as an owner, or as a leader, it's being open enough sometimes to say, I don't know. Um, and so, mm -hmm. you know, in those conversations with employees where you're sitting down, I, you know, a healthy rhythm, whether it's weekly or whatever it is, but back to consistent leadership, it's happening on a regular basis. You're having a dialogue and allowing the employee to say, Hey, what does X look like? And if you say, I don't know, then you know, as a leader, you got to work really hard to figure that out. But best yeah, tool you is just come open back dialogue. Yep. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yep. But I would say it's the conversation and, um, it's the consistency of the conversations. The other tool would really just be a meeting rhythm. I know that sounds really basic, but sometimes we don't get the basics <laughs> down and we try to complicate things. Yep. So only talking with those, those team members once a quarter or ad hoc or only about the day-to-day -day work that they're doing, you're never really going to accomplish clarity for them to want to be part of something bigger. Or only at annual review, annual review time, right? Can we all yeah. just agree to do <laughs> annual reviews? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So like, I guess where my brain went is maybe even a step further back than that, right? Because I've been a part of an organization that implemented EOS. And I think you'd know about this better than me. So please correct me if I'm wrong. The very first thing you've got to do before you even start your ideal meeting pulse and all these things, you have to define what your company's about. You have to set up your values, right? Yeah. yeah great point. You know, so working with companies now... I'll tell you, you know, I'm a fan of EOS. I'll tell you a one size fits all doesn't work for every company. So it's, it's great for some companies. It's not great for others. So let's put mm -hmm. it that way. And, I, and any tools that way, right? So I say that to say sometimes getting people together for a period of time, you know, could be even months before you create those values is actually the right step because agreed hundred percent people need to have the real conversations. And if you sit down, you know, month one with that group and you want to have a conversation, even a facilitated session around core values, if people aren't being open and honest, then you're going to end up with a list of core values that nobody really believes in. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, core values is key for sure. And I think even determining, and there's different ways you can do it, you know, who the company is. Some people look at vision and mission. Some people mm -hmm. talk about, differentiators. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. 
But again, you know, having enough trust in the team to say, no, I don't like that, or no, I, I don't think that articulates it well, or no, let's add this differently. That's built through the consistency of interacting with each other. And once the trust and those relationships are built, then you can start having those real conversations around values and mission and vision. Oh, I agree. I agree hundred percent. And so once you've got those things established and you're having these conversations, you're having really good conversations. It sounds like you're saying that's what kind of keeps everybody on mission, right? Yep. That's what keeps everybody now. So, so you've got everybody kind of rowing in the same direction. How do you communicate what people are doing inside the organization, how they're supposed to interact with customers? I mean, all those things, what, what does clarity around those other issues look like? Yeah, that's a big question. That's a that's a loaded one there. That's a, that's a big question. <laughs> that's why I'm asking it on the front end of the show. because you got time to unpack <laughs> yeah. it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I think it goes... So let's start it. It goes back to those two-way relationships. Sometimes, you know, I know for me, let me say this. I used to think I had to have things figured out and it would take me weeks or months before I was ready to start having a dialogue or a conversation with team member or team members and that, was, that wasn't healthy. The reality was if I would have just started the conversation and said, you know, hey, hey Joe or hey, Jane, here's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't quite have this figured out yet, but I'm thinking we need to start to create some type of standard around how we interact with our customers. Mm-hmm. We know what we believe. We understand the values that we have, but how do we now translate that to our own practice of making sure anytime someone comes into an account management role or even our foreman or crew leader, you know, what our expectations are to translate. I don't, I don't know the best way to do that yet. It's a two-way, it's a two-way relationship and two-way conversation. So to create that clarity, uh, I think it's having the right rhythms is, you know, if I'm an owner or a leader, or if I'm leading and managing a team, I need to have a, a rhythm where I'm meeting with my team members weekly, bi-weekly, whatever it is, one-on-one or, and, or also as a group and creating a consistency of conversations to talk about the things that we don't have clarity on. And sometimes, sometimes we create that clarity together. We don't, as owners, leaders, and managers, we don't mm-hmm. have to have it all figured out. They can figure it out with us and we can start to put the things in place that are, that are lacking. I agree with what you're saying. To add to that, I would say you get better buy-in and better perception throughout 100%. your organization when those team members have been involved in those conversations. Yeah, 100%. And, and the reality is, I know some people say this, but I say it because it's true. Chances are they're going to come up with better ideas. And as, a, and, as a, and as an owner, as a leader, as a manager, like you got to get over yourself and realize that the contribution of these team members buy-in, yes, but it's also because they're going to come up with things you hadn't considered. And in a, the truest form of collaboration, when you get together with that team member or that team, you all are going to start with your own ideas and you're going to end with something that's more powerful than what each person could have done on their own. But you have to yeah. have the right rhythm for that. And it doesn't, you know, some people say, oh, we, you know, we talk every day, but are you talking about the jobs and the things you're trying to get done? Or have you created space where you can breathe a little bit from that and you can actually work on the business instead of being so caught up working in the business? Yeah. And giving your direct reports, giving people underneath you a chance to do that same thing. 100%. Right? Yep. Yep. I can think of an example and I don't want to toot my own horn here, but a company was going through an EOS and uh, wanted to do something to reinforce core values. And so they had this nominating system. Like you could literally just like drop a name in a hat. Like here's this person displayed the core value. This is what they did to display this core value. And they pulled a name once a month and and gave that person a reward. Right. Yep. And it was all centered around like, oh, we'll give them cash was the initial thing. And I said, how about you offer them PTO? 
Yeah. And, and I got, and I almost got laughed out of the room and yeah. I just like drew a line in the sand. I was like, no, you need to put this down there. And yep. I, about a year later when I eventually left that company and not, not for bad reasons, but I, I just moved on to something yeah. else. I don't think a single person had taken cash over PTO. <laughs> wow. One, they all yep. took the PTO yep. and it's just not, not again, not tooting my own horn, but it goes to say like sometimes yeah. somebody else, when you involve, when you take the, and they did that, right. They involved me in the conversation. I was a part yep. of that as someone who, who supervised other people in the organization, when you take the time to in- involve your team in those conversations, to your point, you, they will come up with an idea that probably yep. you might not think it's the best idea, but it might land so well with your team. Maybe they're yep. more in touch than you yeah. have. You know, you're not as in touch as you think you are. Yeah, um, that's, as a, that's a great leader. example. But I think to your point, people that are closer to the really the effect of what is being discussed are really the ones that have sometimes the best insight. Yeah. So, you know, if there's someone that's working with the customers and you granted as a, you know, as a, as a leader, you probably stay close to the customers. Hopefully you do to some, right. some way, shape or form, but the person that's in the trenches every day, they probably have some things that, you know, maybe you're not thinking about, even if you did it for the first 20 years of your career, if you haven't been that close for the last five, they might, they might be picking up on things that you either forgot about or trends that maybe changed. So getting that input, I think is absolutely is important and it being two-way conversation. So the input's one thing, but being able to then have the dialogue around it and shape really what comes out of it versus it just being input. Yeah. And it gives people a sense of ownership when they've created the idea that then gets adopted. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think the challenge and even for anybody listening, you know, as, as a leader, you know, I, I, sometimes we, we can have very strong personalities or perceived to have very strong personalities, which I guess means you have a strong personality. And so while we think we're creating the conversation and the environment for people to have that two-way dialogue with us, we mm-hmm. think we're creating an environment to get that input. The reality is, and I hate to say it, but oftentimes team members are intimidated. And so there needs to be a consistency in interactions because if your heart as a leader truly does care about your employees, and I hope it does, mm-hmm. then the more interactions you have with them, the consistency of those interactions, they're more gonna, the more they're going to see your heart and be less intimidated and open up and have the real conversations and frankly challenge you, like you mentioned and say, Hey, what about PTO? Because that person hopefully recognized, you know, that you were coming up with something that colored outside the lines a little bit, that was a value, but you recognize that they might actually care enough to put it in place, even if they laughed a little bit when they did it, but you've got to have consistency to build that trust. Yeah. So let's talk about consistency, right? how does consistency play into a successful business and how does that work with, you know, high performing teams? If you want a high performing team, why is consistency important? Yeah. Great question. So let's look at the business first and then the teams and directly related. So from a business standpoint, those that have started the businesses on their own, if you've gone from zero to something, or maybe you took it over, if you bought it, chances are you're entrepreneurially minded. And and those that are leading or managing a company with significant responsibility, you're you're probably entrepreneurially minded yourself too. And uh, one of the things, unfortunately, um, surprise if you don't know this about yourself, it's it's reality. You know, entrepreneurially minded people like to try new things. <laughs> the challenge in that is you have to translate the trying new things into consistency for your team. So if you're trying new things every month because you read an article on LinkedIn or you read a book that's probably not the place to do it. Agreed. Uh, and so that, that leadership consistency 
is being stable enough as a leader to say, I want to try out these new ideas. I want to learn about these new ideas, but I'm not going to use my team or my business as a continuous guinea pig while I try to figure that out because the team doesn't need that. So that's the consistency there. I mean, sometimes having other people around you that you can bounce that stuff off of or just giving some of that stuff time before you put it in place is, is the first step. Now, teams' consistency becomes crucial. So for a high-performing team, especially a newly forming team and newly forming, if let's say you have a team of five people on a core team working with you and, and you add a person, you're, you're going to step back. So call that a newly forming team as well. The consistency of your interactions as a group helps you build trust. And you've got to be able to build trust with each other because you have to have the real conversations. A team won't become a high-performing team until they understand how to have productive conflict. There's going to be a facade if that team isn't able to have those real conversations and those dif- difficult conversations, there's going to be a facade and that facade is going to stop that team from ever really collaborating and doing something meaningful. So consistency and leadership in that respect is making sure that that team is actually talking on a regular basis, that that team is having healthy conversations, that that team is resolving unhealthy conflict quickly and is managing healthy conflict along the way. So can conflict be a good thing on these teams? hundred percent. This is one that a lot of people struggle with. And I'll tell you, it was a major struggle for me. I came from a- We all want everybody to get along. We try to- Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. When people are arguing, (laughs) sometimes that freaks us out. You're okay. You're okay. I'm okay. We're all okay. Yeah. yeah, Let's just calm down. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you want them to have a shouting match, right? Yeah. Well, exactly. And that's, that's just it. You know, for me now, I can tell you if I get close to a team or to, into a business and- everything's great and everything's always great. I start to peel back those layers to see, is it really great? Are people really not having the conversations they should be? But yeah, conflict is healthy. I would say one thing to use as a filter, conflict around tasks, you know, around activities versus relational conflict, you know, task activity, conflict, healthy conflict, as long as it's managed well and handled the right way. Relational conflict is where you start to step into waters where it can be and often is unhealthy. So you know, if so-and-so and I are debating the best way to set up or service a property or to structure a proposal or build a job, and we're at it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But when we get to the end, we've come up with a great result. That was great conflict. We disagreed with each other along the way until we came up yep. with what the right solution was. But if so-and-so and I are having an argument because they don't like the way that I said something and they think that I'm just a, you know, a scummy person because of the way that I said that and it, so on and so on. If it's a personal attack or it's something they're assuming because they don't know me, but they're assuming because of the way that I said it, that's unhealthy conflict. And that's going to stop us from accomplishing great things together. So being able to separate mm-hmm. those two uh, is really important, but having that conflict is absolutely critical. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that sometimes we're, again, we're afraid of those conflicts yeah. Most Um, people are. I think it's human nature. I really think it is. I do too. And I tell you, I think you have to be real careful too. Uh, And again, this is just a personal experience. One time I walked into a meeting and the topic was the way we were doing a certain task. 
but I was the only person in the company performing that task. <laughs> and there's yeah. like nine other people, you know, and they're all dog yeah. piling on. And, yeah. I, and I, I, you know, personally I lost and my boss had to like write down on his notepad, sit next to me. He was like, <laughs> you need to calm down and slid it over to me. Yeah. I got so, I got so oh, yeah. incensed. I actually made yeah. one of my coworkers cry <laughs> on her birthday. Oh, come on. I just felt awful. But yeah. like, I think to your point, you need to be able to have those conversations, but you really have to strive to, to separate the personal yep. from that. Even if it feels like you're being attacked, like you've got to stick take a step back and say, yep. uh, in order to, for that conflict to be productive, this is, I don't think something we discussed ahead of time because we didn't plan the whole podcast out, but uh, we had general themes we want to talk about. Can you just, just touch on real quickly when you're talking about consistency rather and whether that's good or bad, can you talk about, just touch on briefly, because this happens in, in every industry. We see it happen a lot, I think, in the green industry in particular, because there's such a staffing issue. Talk about when a leader lets a high-performing, toxic person yeah. get away with something that yep. other team members are not allowed to do or behave in that way or whatever. What kind, What does that do to a team? Yeah. So let's... Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I appreciate it's not you exactly brought, a softball, but no, you know. no, no. I appreciate that you brought it up. So, you know, we all hopefully have read the articles, read the book and hopefully not experienced it, but most of us have. And I would say it is one of the worst things that as a leader you can do is to allow that behavior to take place because mm-hmm. And I think hopefully most of us know this, but let's just just put it on the table as a leader by allowing it, you're saying you're okay with it. And preach, man. Come on. Yeah. And so I would I would tell tell you this. And I I mean I I have I laughed as you said it because I have visual memories of some of the things I at some points allowed as a leader mm-hmm. that I communicated to the rest of the team I was okay with. And <laughs> I'll be open. I mean, I, I, after navigating some stuff and making changes in a business and letting the pieces fall where they fell, I went back after a period of time to some, what I considered friends as well as previous employees. And I apologized to them. And I said, listen, I didn't listen. I didn't listen to you. And I allowed this stuff to happen and it, I'm not okay with it. And I'm sorry. I'm absolutely sorry. And, and for mm-hmm. no other reason, other than I, I knew that I hadn't done right by them, both as a leader and as a friend. But I would tell you, then there's the practical side of it. So if anybody's listening and you're running a business or you're running a team and you can't see the way out, it's easy to say, I need to get away from this person. Hopefully you've already addressed it. Cause let's, let's start there is while some people might, you know, mm-hmm. we can categorize them as toxic. I, I always assume the best first with people. Let's assume that they've never been forced to correct their behavior because nobody was ever willing to challenge them. And that's not going to happen overnight. And so if you want to assume the best, and if you want to care about them as a person, the first thing you need to be able to do is to address the issue. Don't address yep. them. Don't address their character, address the issue and start having the conversations around the issue with them. It's not going to happen overnight, but you also need to be able to draw a line. And this is what the acceptable behavior is. And this is what the acceptable behavior isn't. And you need to be able to draw that line. Again, easier said than done. Because if this is your top performing salesperson who's latched on to you know, your primary revenue streams... Mm-hmm. You know, you can read all the articles you want, but firing that person tomorrow, like what is the real effect to your business? That's the reality of it. And so you've got to consider, first of all, how did it get to that point so that you learn from it? You never let it happen again. Oh, and that's then a number good two, right 
Number two, you need to, you need to be, and I don't want to overuse the, the word, but you need to be strategic about it. And you need to find a way the best you can to find a collaborative win-win between yourself and that person if they need to gracefully exit the business. Because the reality is, as a leader, you help create the problem. And so you need mm-hmm. to find a way, whether they're a manager, whether they're a salesperson, whether you're top performing foreman, whatever it is, if they're not willing to enable to make the change because you did decide to address it, maybe even bring in a third party to help you, by the way. If you're not equipped as a leader, as an owner, as a manager to address it yourself, there is no shame to say, hey, I want to get someone else involved so that we can try to navigate this together because I care about you as an employee. This isn't working and I want you to make it. So let's get someone else involved to try to help us on a better path. Mm. And if that still doesn't work, then you need to help them exit gracefully. That's your best option. And if that's not going to happen, then you need to get ready to pick up the pieces because if they're a high-performing person, there's a chance that they're heavily involved in an area of your business that you're going to have to pick up the pieces. I will say this from personal experience multiple times over, both with my own involvement in businesses, as well as clients that I've supported, no one regrets it. I never regretted it and no one regrets it. It doesn't mean that it was a breath of fresh air the week after. Mm, (laughs) So don't hear what I'm not saying. But what I am saying is when the dust finally clears and you deal with the aftermath of what you allowed to happen as a leader, because you got to own that, you're better off for it and your team's better off for it. Back to your original question, you may not have team members that are as capable as that person, but when you have a collection of team members that see you make the right decisions as a leader, they will fill in that gap or yep. they will accept however you decide to fill in that gap to support them because they'll know that you had their back at that point. I don't think I could agree any more strongly with what you just said. So no, that's really good. Thanks for touching on that. As we get towards the back half of the show here, I do want to touch on, you've been talking about two-way relationships. Dive a little bit deeper into that and maybe give our audience a practical tool. What's a good way to begin to facilitate these two-way conversations, these two-way relationships? Yeah. So let's stick on um, on the employee side or the team member side on these two-way relationships. I've used the word several times over now, dialogue. And, mm-hmm. and dialogue really is that exchange back and forth. You know, if I if I own the business or if I'm running the company, when I'm in dialogue with the team member, if that team member is brand new, like when I started in the industry, like when you started in the industry, like my dialogue means that I'm I'm even keel with them. It means I'm having a conversation with them and what they have to say is as important as what I have to say at that point. Um, and that's the two-way conversation. It's actually seeing eye to eye with the person, regardless of their position or their role, because as a, as a person, that dialogue is completely even ground at that point. So from a mm-hmm. practical standpoint, to maintain those two-way relationships means you actually have to, you have to know people. You have to know the employees. You have to know the team members. And it doesn't mean you have to be able to necessarily name everybody in their family and what their favorite food is and mm-hmm. you know, what their food allergies are, right? It doesn't mean you have to know that, but you know what? You know, the more you get to know people, the more you might actually know all that stuff and that'd be great, but you have to know them to have that dialogue. Practically speaking, that's frequency of conversations. You know, are you, are you seeing, you know, an employee base, a team base every day? If not, are you talking to them every day? Do you have set times for certain team members that maybe report to you to where you have individual one-on-ones with them? And those one-on-ones, I would say, you know, if we're looking at the employee side and as an owner or as a manager and your direct reports, those one-on-ones, the time that you set aside half an hour to an hour, I like to say weekly. Some people cringe when I say that, but weekly, that Mm -hmm. creates the environment for you to build those two-way relationships in a meaningful way. 
the other side of that, uh, or I'd say something else that goes along with that is learning, learning to listen. And so you, you can't have a relationship if you don't learn to listen and putting yourself in a position to listen. And so oftentimes that means if you're having a one-on-one, you actually got to ask questions and shut up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, but I know it's, we, you know, we laugh, but that's the reality. A lot of us, you know, especially those that have stronger personalities, you know, we, we think going into the meeting, we have to kind of bring our best and bring, you know, bring the whole conversation, but we have to just ask good questions. We have to be curious and listen for that two-way relationship to start to develop. One of the things you mentioned, and so this is the, this is the initial thought that I had. There's people listening to this. As you mentioned, setting aside time, you say weekly, right? Yeah. I know a lot of businesses listen to this, whether it's a tree care company, a landscape company, they've got crew leaders or supervisors maybe yep. that supervise several crews. And for those people, yep. that supervisor, to have a one-on-one with every single direct report, maybe they got 20 people yep. that they're supervising, so many of them also <laughs> designate like that supervisor's got to perform X number of billable hours. Like they got to put yep. their weight, yep. right? How do you hold that tension as a business owner? Because I know in my mind, what I'm hearing you say is, hey, look, you need to recognize you're paying this person as much for their people skills as they are for their landscaping yeah. skills, but help people listening to this get there. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So let's look at this. If I'm a, if I'm a, maybe even a kind of a working supervisor, I have some crew leaders. I might even hop around on the truck sometimes mm-hmm. um, and work with some of the crews as well. I think the, the positive in that situation, as it relates to uh, a one-on-one environment, if you will, in these relationships is you're interacting with your team members at a high frequency on a regular basis. What you want to be able to do though, is still have some questions, even if you're riding in the truck with them, or if you're doing dispatch or morning send off, however you refer to it, that you're able to ask individually on the fly. And it doesn't need to be that half an hour, hour one-on-one, but when you're checking in with John or Jose or Mary in the morning time, uh, and you know that you just huddled around with, with all the crews before they're about to head out, and maybe you're getting ready to hop on a truck, you can go up to one of those three and just say, Hey, Mary, just wanted to do a check-in with you. I know it's been a, f- a few weeks since we really had a, an in-depth conversation. How are things going? That's a very basic question. How are things going? And it's open-ended and listen to Mary. And then, you know, what's working right now? What's going really well with your crew? There's another open-ended question and let her share. Oh, you know, so-and-so is doing a great job. I know they're new <clears throat> and I really appreciate the fact that we got new mowers. That's really helping a big deal. Next question, what's not working for you right now? And sometimes people say, I already know it's not working. I don't want to hear them tell me about the brokenness or the issue with this person, but you know what? Let them share it. Just because you think you know the answer, let them share it. Because you might be surprised when you say what's not working, they might say, you know, I mean, some things are challenging right now, but in the scheme of things, things are going pretty well. You might, you might be surprised that they don't bring that to you or that they bring something to you that you never even considered. Next question, how can I help? You don't, yes. you don't, if you've got 20 people that report to you, don't think you have to solve every single one of their problems, but you need to at least listen to what they are and don't, don't make a commitment you can't keep. So when you say, how can I help? And they say, yeah, I need a new truck and I need to do this. I need to do this. Say, Hey, I hear you. I need a new one too. But is there anything else right now this week that, that I could do with the limited time that I have, but that I could do for you and be willing to listen. Cause sometimes they're so simple. 
the things that people want, or sometimes the collection of the things that people are saying they need for help that might just inform you of what you can be doing over the next year to help them. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question for, for those of you that are maybe kind of truly in the thick of it, working with the crews and the team members, and you can't, you can't set aside a true one-on-one time, half an hour, an hour a week. It's being intentional to have those touch points with those employees. I would say the next step would be depending on what your goals are for yourself and for your team is even if you don't have a structure that says, here are my career leaders and foreman, and these employees need to be developed you know, in a certain way underneath them, start to instill that. So if you have crew leaders mm-hmm. or if you have employees that you believe are capable of starting to really develop beyond just the technical side out in the field, beyond just what needs to get done day to day, if you want to start to pour into them to help them develop those newer employees, then have them start asking their crew members those same questions on the fly. It sounds cheesy for some people, but if you integrate it with your normal flow of what you're doing, it's not that cheesy. And so when Mary, like I mentioned, if you ask her those questions and you say, Mary, you know, I, I want to get better at what I'm doing for you. And that's part of why I'm asking you these questions. What do you think about you asking so-and-so and so-and-so on your truck, these types of questions? And she might say, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be a good idea. I already know what they're going to say. And, and you might say, hey, why don't you give it a try with at least so-and-so you know, tomorrow morning and let me know how it goes. And so now not only are you learning in that dialogue and that two-way conversation, you're developing Mary to be able to do the same with her employees. And eventually you're not trying mm-hmm. to carry the weight of those 20 people. Maybe you have a handful of crew leaders that are helping to carry that weight as well. I love that. Yeah. No, I think that that's important to be super intentional. One of the things I heard you saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong. I always saw it when I'm supervising people in the industry. My job as a leader is to help them get rid of the roadblocks to doing the thing I've asked them to do. Yep. <laughs> right? Like uh, if I've given them yep. a job yep. and then they tell me this is prohibiting me, this is yep. this is interfering with my ability to do that job and I'm not serving them by eliminating that roadblock. Yeah. That's that's literally my function. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> They're the yep. ones getting the work done. If I am not eliminating those blockers, then I'm failing as a, as a leader. Yep. I love what you just said. I'm laughing. I am. Um, I'm supporting a, a particular client right now with one of their teams. And I, I told this team, I said, when we do our one-on-ones, I said, one of the last questions I'm going to ask you is what I can do to help. And part of that for me is if there's a, a person or a situation that I need to help clear out of the way for you. And this group, yep. we had just been joking earlier in the conversation about superhero names. And this, this particular team member, she said, Eric, I know your, your superhero name. And a lot of people in that company call me Schultz by my last name. And she said, you're Schultz dozer. Uh, but so, but that's the point, you know, and I play you know, a particular role for that team, but you know, as leaders and managers are right, you need to be able to clear stuff out of people's way. And sometimes you don't physically do it yourself. Sometimes you equip that person to do it in ways that they didn't realize they had available to them. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. We're getting ready to, to wrap up the show here. If you can do this in like three minutes or less, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's one thing you wish you could share with owners, CEOs, whoever is listening to this that want to grow their business fast? What's the most important nugget of wisdom, the kernel of truth that you can leave them with? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, Probably didn't give you enough time for it, but it's a good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm looking at the clock. Don't worry. I would say be intentional. And what I mean by that in the short time that I have is focus on what matters and the reason why you're growing. And if you're, if you're purely growing just to make more money, it's going to be hard. 
So you need to be intentional mm-hmm. about why you're growing um, and plan the growth. So make sure that you're not just focused on growth without having a plan to get there. You know, that includes budgets, you know, financial forecasts that you can actually follow, not just something mm-hmm. that looks cool because it's a hockey stick shape and it looks like you're going <laughs> to you know, blow it out of the water and you have no clue how you're going to get there, um, but be intentional about it. And then have, have the right support system in the process. Yes. Um, you've got to have internally, you've got to have the right team, but but outside of that, as a leader, you're, you're, you're a human being and you're so much more than an owner and a leader of a company. And so whether that's your family, whether that's your friends, um, depending on where you come from, it could be a, a faith community, whatever that is that's around you. Um, if you're planning on growing, you need to make sure that you have the right support system around you so that while you focus on growth, you don't lose sight on the things that matter most. Absolutely. I don't think I could agree with that anymore. Eric, the folks that are listening to this that I'm sure would, would benefit from having your personal coaching or, or your, your businesses, you know, in your business involves coaching their business. There we go. If I can get it yeah. out. Yeah. If someone's interested in, in contacting you, I don't even think we, we mentioned the name of the company on the front end here. Um, if you would talk uh, just real briefly uh, about uh, your company, what you're doing now to support the industry and how someone might be able to contact you if they're interested. Yeah, no, I appreciate that opportunity. So um, my, my business name is, is Journey Alliance. We're a small group, intentionally a small group. And it's we're at the intersection of consulting, coaching, and operating. And we mentioned a few of these operating systems, or these management systems uh, earlier in the conversation. If you look at them as kind of one bookend, and then you look at hiring in someone that's you know has a whole lot of experience into a leadership role to help you run a business, we're kind of in between. And some people look at that as maybe a fractional general manager. We don't necessarily call ourselves a fractional general manager, um, but we're a really good support system to come alongside owners and leaders. We feel like part of the team and you know, help them help them put the right systems and people in place to, to grow and manage the business. So that's kind of the core service offering uh, that we offer. The best way really to, to get a hold of me, email is always good. You know, Eric at journey-alliance.com. Uh, also on LinkedIn as well, Eric Schultz and Journey Alliance. You look in those two up, you'll be able to find me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how you and I got connected. And I was just so impressed uh, with some of the content you're producing and the conversations that we've had. And I thought this would make a lot of sense. And and I was right. Our our audience is getting a ton of value out of this episode. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. 